0: Welcome to the show yes this is the suicide prevention show where we are waking up the world and to help us do that we're going to go into that place where people don't go in polite society we're going to talk about the r word we're going to talk about relationships and we're going to do it from the point of view of what is so telling in our world right now from the man who tells it like it is. So please help me welcome to the studio, none other than Leon the trainer, Mr. Leon Thomas. So Leon, come on into the studio.
1: Jackie. good to to see you. You know, I was jamming back here, but the camera wasn't on, you know, so I I just, I was with you, it's all good.
0: It is one of those songs that just you know I can't listen to it without it making me move. That's right, I love I, it for the show.
1: Yeah, I do too. I I loved it. It's good. It was good stuff.
0: Yeah, cool. So Leon, you're looking mighty spiffy.
1: Why? Why? Thank you. Thank you. I am. Now, let me tell you this. Most folks call this an ascot. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. It's technically a. Day cravat, an ascot is what you wear with a tuxedo, with tails, right? This is a day cravat. However, since most folks don't know that, I can get away with wearing it after five o'clock. So here I am. It's my thing. I like ascots
0: or day cravats by any other or
1: day cravats. That's right.
0: What a great story, Leon. This is such a lovely conversation about, we've been talking about story off and on on this season. But there's a story that I've been watching unfold. Uh, the world is part of it, been watching it unfold. And there's a lot that we don't know about what's going on. But I think you hit upon the solution, and that's where I was like, oh, yeah, you've got to join me on the show. Yeah, this is really, really important. So yeah, let's talk about it. What, what made you decide that you were going to take this on as a, um, a mission, if you will, to change this conversation around race?
1: What what started it was this, and there's it's kind of a a build up to it. So give me just a couple of minutes to to make sure everyone
0: understands you just take your time.
1: So um, I have to power (laughs) the mute button, buddy.
0: Yeah, you go right ahead. Take all the time I give you.
1: (laughs) Right on, right on. That's groovy. So one of the one of the things that that I experienced uh, growing up in the hotel business. Hotel management, hotel administration was kind of my second career. I'm really supposed to be coaching basketball at UCLA right now. That was the original plan. I, In fact, I'm supposed to be in the Hall of Fame right now by the original plan. See, I'm even wearing UCLA blue. So that's that's where I was supposed to be. And the coaching thing didn't work out. However, one of the things that I noticed in coaching was the importance of relationships and the people that i was building relationships with those that were helping me uh, as i got older and coaching those that i helped rarely did the discussion of race come into play it was about relationships right who do you know who's a good guy who's a friend of this one and so forth and so relationships became became important when i got <clears throat> excuse me when i got into the hotel business i noticed something something very similar and that was that the managers that had better relationships with their line level employees and the employees that had better relationships with their managers, the hotels were better run and the owners and those in management companies and so forth that when there were good relationships, success happened. And I am a winner in that relationship game in that I had at least three general managers that took interest in me to help me understand more about the hotel business. And most importantly, one of the hotel owners, his name was Michael Harrell. Uh, He and I developed a great relationship. At one time, Mr. Harrell had 45, 45, that's four or five hotels that he either, his management company ran or that he owned himself with with partners. I got to an opportunity to build a great relationship with him. And one of the things that I noticed was relationships. It was about me getting to know him, him getting to know me. And I was successful because of that. And so were his, his hotels. And so <clears throat> I look at all the relationships that, that helped me. No one ever said black, white, or, or anything like that. Now, when I look today in the hotel environment particularly, and I'll use that as an example, you have all of these groups saying we're going to uh, make sure that by 2023 we have a certain number of Black employees doing this, we have Blacks in leadership here, we have women uh, in positions here, because it's not just race, but I hear that, but what I don't hear is a how are we going to do it? It's just a we're going to do This must happen. This is going to happen. But no one's telling people how. And so one of my missions has been, let's talk about how we get there. And one of the big things that I noticed is we need better relationships if we're going to get to that point of having more Blacks, more women. right? You name the demographic that the hotel business and many others others, are lacking in, no one's talking about the how. And I think the easiest way is to build relationships. That's how we get there. Let's get to know each other. Let's build relationships. Okay, that's that's the big piece there, Jackie. Let's build relationships, because everyone wins when that happens.
0: Everyone wins when that happens. I love that attitude that everyone wins when that happens. How did the conversation, in your mind because i've got some theories i've actually been reading a book by malcolm gladwell that gave me a huge insight into some of the what the media was calling race driven rioting that you know, that started a couple years back and from malcolm gladwell's perspective it race really had nothing to do with it it had to do with another circumstance that wasn't in the media yeah it wasn't visible. How much of what they're calling racism in your mind is something else that we just don't see?
1: I, I think that in in certain circles, there are other factors that are that are going into decisions that uh, I'll call it folks in the c-suite make, right? Mm-hmm. I think there there are other factors. I think often um, things that I experienced, things that I saw and I worked for, a major hotel company, a major hotel franchise company as an employee and did consulting work for two other major hotel companies. And Mm -hmm. again, and I have friends that work in other industries as well. So um, it's very similar in other other businesses is that folks in the C-suite want to see folks like them. And that's not always race related. Sometimes it's folks that went to the same school that I did. So if the CEO has an MBA from Duke or Georgetown or Penn, they're looking for folks that went to those schools as as a way of filling executive level positions. I think also as we go down the, the corporate structure, when we get into some middle management positions, I think there are folks that want to help, want to build relationships with folks of a different race, but because they fear what folks above them will think about it, say about it, they don't. And when wow. things, the relationships there don't get built because they're afraid of what, what's gonna happen. Now, here's some other things that go into it. Let's take a look at education. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you could go to just about any city school district. I'm not gonna use the term inner city, okay? because Inner city is, is just a catchphrase that we use to cover up to say Black community, right? And, you know, there are white people that live inner city. I live in Baltimore. There are a couple of really nice neighborhoods in the city, but they're inner city. When we say inner city that kind of say Black school, Black neighborhoods, right? So no, I'm well, talking...
0: Or lower socioeconomic,
1: or lo- like, right? Ex- exactly, yeah. right. You
0: know, so yeah, it could be, and right. you're right. There is that implication when you use the phrase inner city. You're applying mm-hmm. something, but right. it is not always accurate. Yeah I, yeah, I know that area.
1: Yeah, we're we're just trying to you know to cover up, and not say say black. So let's talk city schools, for example. Um, I read a recent article that said that of the top twenty five city school districts, they were not nearly funded as much as districts in surrounding counties. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the racial makeup of those cities, there were a lot of blacks in those cities, a lot of other minorities in those cities. And so now the education money, the dollars don't go there. And so we say it's a race thing. Well, that isn't a racial issue, that's a money issue. Right. But then when folks get upset about things, who do we see upset about it? We see minorities, we see folks that support minorities. We everybody that comes out and says, you know, it's the black schools, the black neighborhood, the black this. When it's really something that's underlying that had the funding been there, then we yeah, don't have we don't right. have that issue. Right. So mm-hmm. as you mentioned, it's not always just strictly black, white, you know, because they can't put more money in a a city school, a Baltimore city school that's in Bolton Hill versus one that's in Cherry Hill. You can't do that. That that doesn't happen. But it's it's the mixture of, of all of these things getting getting blended together. The the other point I want to make about that is, when you look at in using education as, as our as our backdrop, there are many educators that want to build great relationships with students. And that's Black educators want to build relationships with white students and other, and other, other students. They want to build relationships with
0: students.
1: Students, yeah. right? That's what yeah. they want. They want to build relationships. They want to help. And because of so many legalities, I, I can't come early because the union won't allow me to. I can't stay late because the security guards is going to kick me out. And on and on and on. This kid needs extra help. And I can't go to his house. I can't give him a ride home. You know, because all of those things, we end up in some of the places that we are now.
0: Yeah, you know, it is a little bit like we're being handcuffed on this concept of building relationships, is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in the way. Yeah. So you've laid out a pretty good case for the fact that we have a problem with building relationships that's not this interpersonal, mushy stuff that we think of, you know, oh, I want a better relationship. Well, I'm gonna go take interpersonal work classes. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what really gets in the way. Mm -hmm. What really gets in the way of building a relationship. You know, and we had this discussion when you interviewed me on your show. And it was like, you know, we are an unlikely pair by the culture. And yet by our inclination, we're both very much alike.
1: Yeah, so true. Let me, let me tell you something funny about that. It, funny, interesting. Um, I play racquetball. And I, I coach racquetball, run a youth racquetball program. And um, one of the gentlemen that I play with before pandemic, I played with him routinely every Tuesday and some Saturday mornings. He's a white gentleman. He's 84 years old, okay? In case anyone hasn't wondered, I'm, I'm African-American and I'm, I'm in my 50s, okay? When you look at things from a societal point of view, you would, you would say, and most people would say that we have nothing in common. We have nothing to talk about. There's no reason for us to communicate. Um, there's a gentleman that goes to my church He's 92. White. He and I communicate at least twice a week via telephone. Hey, I just thought I'd call you to see how you're doing. I just thought I'd call you to see how you're doing. Hey, what's happening? What's going on? How's your daughter? How are your kids? How are your grandkids? And, and we talk. I'll give you one more. I had a boss. Again, for the purpose of the conversation, I want to identify him. Typically, I wouldn't say white guy, black guy, right? But we're talking about race. Let's be open about it. Okay? (laughs) Let's be open about it, right? I had a white boss that hired me in a, a, a pretty nice position at a major hotel company. He's white, I'm black, he walks in the room, introduces himself to me. Now I want everyone to picture the stereotype for what I'm gonna describe to you. I want you to picture stereotype. White guy, five foot 10, nice size midsection, shall we say, right? And he had on a belt with a buckle like this big. And he walks in the room and I go, that's it, it's over for me, this ain't happening. There's no way I'm getting this job based on what society says. We had the best relationship. And we used to openly talk about race, right? He, he One of the times he, he said to me, he says, I know Mother's Day is coming up. And I know that's an important thing in, in the Black community. If you don't want to travel that day to be in position to, to do something on Monday, let me know. I'm going to respect that for you. So we had just great conversations. And when there were things that he didn't know, he would ask, he was, you know, is this offensive? You know, things like that. And so we have great relationships. So I think sometimes folks wanna, wanna have good relationships with others that don't look like them. And they're concerned that, oh, we don't have anything in common. How's the conversation gonna be? Take it from me. Listen, I have a friend, again, he plays racquetball. The guy at church and my boss, You never know what you're gonna gain from relationships and how beautiful they can be. So don't assume and don't let society decide for you who your friends are gonna be. Right? You know, it's
0: really interesting because the guy in a lot of environments, that would have been a gutsy thing to say, to say, I know this is important in your community, no matter Mm -hmm. what it was. Yeah. Because we live in a world with how do you know what's important in my community? Yeah, but he wasn't afraid of that because he already had a relationship with you.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I think that's really the key that I want to just keep bringing this back to. How do you start a relationship when you don't know someone? You know, how do you get things started? Because you identified it really well. We have a lot of things to be afraid of. Yeah, we just do. We're afraid of what our boss will think. We're afraid of what the neighbors will think. That was my mom's favorite. Right of what the neighbors will think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it just, we got a lot of fears. How do you get past the fear to just get real?
1: Well, the way I look at it is when you meet someone, I'm talking the very first time, wherever you meet them or whatever the forum is you met them in, that's an immediate connection. You have at least that one thing in common right? So let, let's really stretch it. And just for the purpose of understanding, I'm going to give a f- real extreme analogy, all right? Let's say that I'm pulled off on the side of the road because my car has overheated. And this actually happened to me a couple of weeks ago, by the way. My car <laughs> overheated on the Baltimore Beltway, Interstate 695, my car overheated, all right? But not a, not a problem because- I had one of the roadside services that I just had to call and they would come get me. All I had to do was make sure that my battery on the phone was charged. All right. So I pull off on the side. I call that company. They send a tow truck. The guy pulls up in the tow truck, gets out of the car. He's not black. He's not white. He's Indian. We have an immediate connection for relationship building right there. If nothing else, car tow truck. We have opportunity to build conversation about that. And we did. We didn't talk about me being Black, him being Indian. We didn't even talk about the color of my car. It was just the two of us were talking about cars. And it was, oh, I wonder what caused that? Where is the steam coming from? Back and forth, back and forth. And he looked inside the car in the engine compartment and he said, I think um, what did he tell me? I, I think your, your car overheated because of a problem with the radiator. That's what he said. And I said, oh, how do you know that? See, I, a building relationship. He said, I also have a garage. It's located. He told me where it was about 10 miles back. Oh, okay. How did you get into car repair? So now we're building relationship because we took that common ground, that one thing that we have in common and we, and we, we it grew. It grew. So he ends oh, up giving it. Wait, me- wait, wait. I don't think so. Uh-uh. I'm not buying
0: this. There's an elephant in the room. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm you built you. a was- relationship because you were willing to pause all your self-interest long enough to be interested mm-hmm. in somebody
1: else. To be interested in someone else, yes. Now no. when you when we do that in all environments that we're in, could we not build better relationships with anyone? Oh, probably you know you're sitting in the doctor's office maybe the dentist's office and you see someone and you the conversation strikes up you're probably not going to say to someone in the dental office right away you know it's not going to be hey i see you're white it's going to be do you come here often <laughs> you know and and you you have that conversation the the white patient in the office isn't going to go oh you're black it, it's not going to happen that way Let, let's take the real simple and let, let's grow on and let, let's build on. Let, let me, one more thing. I have a college professor. Uh, not that I'm in college anymore, I should correct that. An old college professor from a, a college, a university. <laughs> in, a in, previous. A previous. For, yeah, yeah okay. ex- exactly. Now, when before he got his PhD, he was a trainer in the athletic department. Hmm. And I worked in athletics as an intern. We built a relationship around athletics. It wasn't, he's white, I'm black. It wasn't really even, he's an administrator, I'm a student. We just built a relationship. We talk once per week now, just about the good old times or things that are happening now. Relationship was built. And and so often we forget that. We forget it in our personal lives. We forget it at work. Build relationships with people. Let's let's start there. Let's do that.
0: I love your examples, Leon, because most people, when you say build a relationship, they get kind of the deer in the headlights. Yeah, they sort of lost the ability to have small talk. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the ability to connect over one commonality that's external to both of you. Not about you, but external to both of you. Mm-hmm. And learning to look for those because, let's face it, the uh, art of curiosity has gotten buried behind these screens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We don't, we're not curious. We don't talk enough anymore because now we can ask Google or Siri and the human, hey, do you know or have you thought of, is gone or going. In a lot of circumstances. Yeah. And what's the problem? What's the problem if our relationship skills drop? What impact do you think that's going to have on all of these other things we've got going on?
1: Mm-hmm. As relationship communication skills start to drop, the relationships are going to continue to be non-existent or, or go downhill the way the way we're going right now. You know, we we many times folks talk about what are they teaching in school, right? You you've probably in the last month heard someone say something like, "Well, you know, they don't teach you how to balance a checkbook in school anymore. You know, they they don't teach this, they don't teach that, they don't teach all the, all of these these soft skills, right? They they can teach you all the different levels of." calculus and There's algebra. soft about
0: balance in a checkbook. Right. That's a hard
1: skill. It's a hard skill. You know, but they, they don't teach it anymore. They don't teach you how to say hello, make eye contact, shake hands. Um, even in this format, in this format, I, I do a lot of things virtually just, just as you do, Jackie. And it's it's amazing to me how many times I'm in a meeting with someone or a group of people, and there's someone in the meeting doing this number right here during the meeting on camera, you know? And I'm like, you're not even paying attention here. You're, you're, you're right here. And so once I sent that person a text message, I said, are, are you with us? And they went, oh, you know, like, oh, you caught me, right? So that's one. We, we need to talk about and teach relationship building, how to to do the the soft, hello, how are you, shake hands, eye contact, to ask light questions that that help build conversation that maybe grows to relationship. Here's the second thing that I I think is important, is that everyone brings value to a relationship. Let me give you something that we talked about in church today, was this, in in church today, the, the pastor said, That when you're thirsty, you don't care about the skin color of the person that's giving you the water. Right? When we have major surgery, we don't care. He's the she's the best. They're the best at what they do. Come on, knock me out, dig, cure me, let me stay home for a couple days, six weeks of rehab. I'm ready to roll. I don't care. There's everyone can bring value. Mm -hmm. to every relationship. There's there's value. And when we look at another person, we have to see there's something they know. There's value there they bring. There may be skills that they have that I need in my life to help me get to where I want to go. There may be people that they know that can help me get to where I want to go. And we need to understand and value each other that we all have something we can bring to the table. Even in the work environment, let's say that it's, a, it's someone that's on your team, you're a team leader, you're a supervisor. Everyone on your team can bring something to the table to make the team better. And you as a leader can give everyone else something that makes them better. We all are valued. We all need to see that when we look at each other. Let's, we don't need to look at race. We don't need to look at gender. It's that person has something of value and I'm going to communicate with them enough to f- find out what that value is. And let, let's do that. Everyone's valuable. The question is,
0: does it matter whether or not we know what it is or is it enough that we know that it's true?
1: Yes, we have to know that it's true, right? We, we're not going to find out right away in the initial, the the second, the third, the ninth, the 10th conversation, we're not going to get that, aha, there's your value moment. It's not going to hit us that way. It's going to be, they have something and I'm going to respect them. They have something and I'm going to respect them. So we know that they have something of value. We don't have to know what it is right away sometimes it takes a while for that to to come out. And even in in real relationships where there's a give and take and I help you, sometimes it takes longer for us to find out what the other person is going to bring to the relationship, right? It's not always, okay, well you have this skill, I have that one, let's combine, I have a great relationship. No, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes there's an immediate Boom. Yes, I can help you with that today. Yes, I can help. I'm bringing value. And you can't think, oh boy, what am I going to do for them? What am I going to do for them? What are they going to do for me? No, you don't think of it that way, but you know, it's there. And that's the important thing. You know, it's there.
0: Yeah. Well said. If you know that it's there and that's the big deal. Yep. Yeah. So that's really, really key. I like the idea that this is something we can control. I mean, yeah. we can't control whether or not we have enough time to talk to somebody to uncover what their value is, but we can control whether or not we believe that everybody we talk to has, or everybody we interact with or everybody we see you know, has value. Mm-hmm. That's an internal process that we can just make that decision. Yeah. What's going to help people make that decision more often, Leon? Because we know that's not always the decision that's being made. We are living in a very judgmental society. Or why I had to create something called Leaving Shouldville. We're so quick to judge what other people should be saying and doing, how they should look. You know, it's pretty bad out there. So what? What's next for us? What can we do with this?
1: All right. So think. Think about this. When you are getting in the shower in the morning, most of the time you you test the water. Mm -hmm. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Right? We make the adjustment, we're we're ready, you know. We we do the test. We tried it out. We we gave it a try. We gave it a shot. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm asking everyone to do now. Take a small step outside of what your normal comfort zone is now. You're an extrovert, so am I. Our comfort zones are where some of our viewers are, right? Some of our viewers are going, what? You want me to get away from this and not communicate with the phone? No way, I'm not doing that. That's their comfort zone, right? I want everyone to think about where your comfort zone is now and take it that much further and you'll see you're not gonna get bitten. Life's gonna be okay, and then once you experience that, I want you to stretch a little further.
0: All right, and hold, I it, hold you... it, hold it. You got to make this more concrete for me.
1: All right. So, uh,
0: what's one thing somebody can do that will stretch right. the comfort zone
1: a little bit? All right. So here we go. We're we're sitting in a doctor's office. You know, you're six feet over there. Someone else is six feet over here, and you're that person that generally would look down at your phone and keep your eyes right here in your block. You're not talking to anybody. You're waiting on your name to be called, right? And every time the door opens up, you open you raise your head like this to see if they're calling your name. And if they are, you stand up and go. And if they're not, your head goes back down into your comfort zone. I'm not looking left, I'm not looking right. I'm gonna treat it just like I'm on an airplane in a center seat, right? For that person, outside of your comfort zone is this. Look to your left and say, hey, how you doing? That simple step, nothing more, nothing more, nothing more. Or I want you to look to your right. And this is gonna happen to someone. Someone's gonna run into somebody wearing an ascot tomorrow. You watch, someone's gonna run into somebody wearing an ascot or whatever that is, right? And you look to your right and you go, wow, that's a nice shirt. Those are nice shoes. Just say something and come on back. And I want you to start that, just build there. And when you see that, this person over here that you said hi to doesn't bite you back and go <laughs> right? Oh, you hi. How, how, how you doing, what do you mean? And this person over here doesn't say, who asked you about my shoes? They don't, you don't get that because you're not, right? Except that you won. That's all I want you to do. You won that day. And then tomorrow, let's go a little bit further. So it goes like this. Over here, it's hi. Hi, how are you? That person says hi back. Pretty nice day, huh? It's getting close to summer. I love summer. How about you? And I, let, let's let's stop. Let's not grow. Let's not let's not get into the how many grandkids do you have? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And this person over here that says, "Hey, these are nice shoes." Hey, thank you. Those are are they comfortable? Right. Start small. Again, everyone has a different comfort zone, though. Jackie, for for the, for the two of us, right? Listen. I'm the worst person to put in a center seat on a plane for two reasons one, I'm big right but secondly, I'm gonna pick and choose who I'm talking to providing it's not a late night flight and I want to sleep but i'm gonna I'm gonna pick and choose let's see who's it gonna be yeah you've been selected yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god, I've got a friend who says he hates people. And he doesn't want to be talked to when he flies and he flies a lot. So he found a book wrapper that he could wrap around whatever book, you know, like those old dust covers that books used to have, and he would just wrap up his book and set it on the armrest, you know, where it could be seen by the other people. Uh-huh. And the book wrapper was How to Sell Life Insurance on an Airplane. Wow. And he, he said he guaranteed
1: that nobody would talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you my, my airline trick that oh, I was to sure. Hear? Yeah. Way, 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 way back when. And usually when someone says way, 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 that's, a, that's at least 25 years, right? Way, way, way. You know, it's at least
0: 25.
1: Or 25 right? minutes, depending on your age. E- either one. Right, right, right. This is such a groovy show. I'm having a groovy time talking with you, by the way. This is pretty cool. All right. So way 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 back when i did not want to talk to folks on an airplane hmm. i didn't want to do it here's what i used to do i'd go to the back of a plane i'd take the center seat now i've already told you i'm a big guy but i used to stretch it out to really just sprawl out there right? And I would put on headphones, right? Not connected to anything. The headphones would go in my bag, right? So not connected to anything and dark sunglasses. Now, again, we're talking race. So I want you to use the stereotype. Mm -hmm. Think about this, big black guys sitting in the back of the plane with dark glasses and a headset and I'm going like this. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Rocking back and forth like
1: he's jiving. Nobody came near me unless the plane was totally full, right? And so but I, I I evolved from that to to where you know now, you know, I wanna I wanna talk. I want to have have interactions, and I hope I hope that others do because that's how we, we learn more about each other. That's how we, we we build bridges over uh over around race. We 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 do that. But I think it's also, Jack, it's important that we do it in many parts of our lives. So when we say, I'm gonna build relationships with folks that don't look like me at work, we also need to do it in our neighborhoods. We also need to do it at the gym. We also need to do it in our social clubs and everywhere else. We just can't, you know, but for some people, depending on where you are, that means start at work and don't touch any of the other areas yet.
0: Right. Give yourself a place to start. Just start. Yeah, right. Cool. I like that. A place to start. Now, I'm going to call you out because we have time. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Now I'm going to call you out.
1: Uh-oh. You
0: started your story. And I've been catching this. You started your story and you said something that is like an open loop. And inquiring minds want to know. So here's the open loop, Leon. You said, as you were telling the story about your first plan and UCLA and Hall of Fame, and you said one little sentence the coaching thing didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Come on. What's the story?
1: All right. You want to know what did we mean? What does that mean when someone says it didn't work out? I don't care right?
0: what it means when someone Right. Says
1: right? It you want to know when I say it.
0: it. Yeah. I, come on. This is about building right. a relationship. I don't care about the generic. Okay. I care about the gentleman.
1: Here, here's the real, here's here's the deal. My first coaching job, high school coaching, was Ooh. at Montour High School near Pittsburgh. Okay, Montour High School. And we had some success there. My team, when I use the term we, I'm talking about my team, not I as a coach. Coaches don't win unless you have good players. I don't care, you don't listen to all this stuff. You got good players, you win, done, over, all right? There are some coaches that can take mediocre talent and turn them into winners, yeah, but you still need good players, okay. Great success there. I went to it to another school and didn't win too many games. In fact, yes. one year we won three games. Three Wait, out of tw- 27, right, three out of 30.
0: First, you told us where the first school was, mm-hmm. where is the second
1: school? Yeah, Quigley Catholic High School, also near near Pittsburgh.
0: Okay, so the same right. general geography, so it's same. not that the weather changed.
1: Exactly, <laughs> right. Hey, right. You know,
0: details are important in my right. life. Yeah.
1: Now. Before I got my first set coaching job, I worked for two Pennsylvania basketball coaching legends. Both mm-hmm. had won state championships. I worked for Bob Rao at Rochester High School as an assistant coach and JV coach. And I worked for Ed Wachsko who also had won a, a state championship and played in two other state championship games. And so I had great connections, great lineage, and which enabled me through relationships to make it easy for me to get hired at Montour, to get hired at a Quickly Catholic High School. And so things didn't go well. Now, here's what's going on in the background. While all that's going on, I was not teaching at those schools. I was just a basketball coach. So I was working at a hotel during the overnight shift working 11 p.m to 7 a.m and the owner of the hotel loved basketball and so that was Mr. Harold Michael Harold the gentleman I mentioned earlier and so he asked me how's coaching going I said oh it's going good he says oh you ought to get in the hotel management no I don't want to do that I'm going to coach he says okay great he comes back three years later i see him we're talking hoops again he says how's the basketball team doing i said we won five games this year and he goes you're not making it to ucla winning five games it's just not gonna happen right so i moved to baltimore i decided i was going to relocate back to baltimore where i grew up and i was the freshman basketball coach and assistant varsity coach at Mount St. Joseph's High School, where I went to high school. My high school coach, Pat Maggio, was still the coach at Mount St. Joe. And so he hired me on to be his assistant coach. And I worked with him for three seasons. Uh, We had a couple of Catholic league championship games and won a lot of other, other tournaments, great success. I got hired to be the boys basketball coach and athlete, eventually athletic director at Mount Carmel High School near Baltimore. Yes. And we were building a great program there, but I just did not win enough games. And I used to work the camp circuits to go around each summer and and work basketball camps. Uh, I used to go to George Mason University when Paul Westhead was the basketball coach there. Now. Paul Westhead had coached the Los Angeles Lakers, and back in the 80s, he coached Loyola Marymount when they used to score like 140, 150 a game. When he got hired at George Mason, I drove over there, I'm telling you, three or four times a week. I got to learn his system. Some have said I learned his system better than anyone else. I get calls now. I haven't coached in 23 years. I get calls now from people asking about Paul Westhead's system. I mean, I, I knew it. And he told others that I, that I knew it. And it just didn't work out for me. I didn't win enough games. But here's the other thing that happened. In the midst of coaching and wanting to build a coaching career, I got married and had a family. And I watched others, my age, my coaching lineage, so to speak, that continued to pursue coaching, and they would move their families every year because of the next job opening. So they would move from Baltimore to Kansas, from Kansas to Nevada, Nevada to Texas. I mean, it was just a constant move. And I said, I don't want that for my family. So because of one, I wasn't winning. But secondly, I wanted the best for my family. I decided to go full on in into the hotel business. Yeah. So, so that's the coaching deal. I haven't coached in 23 years. Um, I have a son that's 23 years old. And when he was younger, we'd be at the grocery store, the mall or whatever. And someone would say, Hey, Coach Thomas, how you doing? And he'd be like, what are you calling you coach for? Um, and so uh, that's, that's the, that's the deal with coaching. But I have a lot of friends that are coaching still. A lot of them have achieved great success. Um, in in their coaching. Donnie Jones is the head coach at Stetson University. He was an assistant to Billy Donovan at the University of Florida for both of their national championships. Uh, Billy Donovan is a friend of mine. He's the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I have other, other friends. I have many friends that are still coaching and love it. And we stay in contact with each other. And I value those relationships. You
0: have a capacity for relationships that I don't have, and so this is really kind of fun, because you're like, Jackie, we're both extroverts. That doesn't mean that our capacity to balance relationships is the same, and so I love that it's start with where you are, do small things, figure out where your sweet spot is, you know, as far as just, but start with building relationships, even if you've got a lot of little relationships. Everybody needs more relationships because that's what they found during this period of time that we're all living in is that those that are struggling less are the ones that have this sense of connectivity to other people even in the midst of isolation and so thank you Leon the trainer not Leon the coach Leon the trainer for for coming on the show and helping us walk through the fact that it's really not about race. It really is about relationships. It's about individuals, not about identities, if you will. So you have an amazing gift for people who are on the show who are listening to the podcast, listening to the watching this in the recording. And I just, I was like, before I can put this up, I kind of have to ask, are you serious about this? Yeah, I, I am yeah. serious about it. Right? Yeah. I, just, I just had to ask because yeah. the, the gift is, you know, you, when you talk about relationships, sometimes the biggest, hairiest, scariest relationship is when you're going to go get interviewed for a job. Because we do have so many beliefs, like you said, the stereotypes of your boss when he came in with his big belt buckle. Yeah. The ability to have an interview from a place of calmness. And so I know 15 minutes with you to get somebody prepped for an interview. Oh, and by the way, what's what's the date for an interview? You know, interviews happen. They're part of relationships. Yeah. So I love the offer for a interview prep session with you and all the instructions are there in the show notes for everybody for how to claim that if they want 15 minutes of your time you'll help them get ready for whatever interview they've got coming
1: up next I'll help them get ready one of the, the big things you know everyone's having an interview via zoom or google meets or whatever it is they're having an interview and I've heard the stories and I've had folks call me to say I blew the interview. I go, why? What happened? Well, they wanted me to do this. They wanted me to do that. They say I did that. I go, okay, let's just talk right here via Zoom. And I go, oh, okay, I see exactly. Yeah, you know your stuff. You're a subject matter expert at what you do. Your company knows that they didn't like it, didn't move forward because you lost it in the technology. I wanna help. Jackie, can I just give something very simple that I I see with folks that just don't, they don't do. Look at this, I'm looking at you right in my camera.
0: Yeah, you're not looking where my image is on there. That's
1: eye contact, right? If I drop down here to look at your image, what are you seeing now? Tell me, you're seeing more of this, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, because I'm looking right at you because we are so trained that face to face, we make eye contact by looking at the person's eye. So yeah. I'm looking right here and that's not it virtually. Virtually it's at it's right one. here, mm-hmm. right? This is eye contact. That You see, this is a smile. It really is okay to smile on camera, it really is. You don't have to sit there and go. Hi, my name's Leon, and I have seventy-two thousand years' experience in, and I'm probably better at the job than you. But I have to get the job right. No, smile. You know, it's okay to do that. And what I want to do is anyone that contacts me. I want to go over some real basics to get them better and give them confidence that the next time someone says you have a Zoom interview, you're ready and you go, how you doing? I'm Leon. Let's go. What do you got for me? Huh? 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 You know, they're ready to go with
0: it. <laughs> it's bound to get you talked about, Leon, but you do it so well. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very, very, very engaging. And I love that. And I so appreciate you being part of the show and part of the Suicide Prevention Show.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me. This has been groovy.
0: Oh yeah, well you're a lot of fun. You're easy to interview. The power of getting this out into the world, this idea that you don't wait until somebody's at risk. You don't wait until there's a problem to build a relationship. You don't wait until you need something from your neighbor to get to know your neighbor. You know, this is all exactly the same topic, whether we're talking about, hey, parents, you don't wait until your kid's at risk to talk to them about suicide. Ideally, you don't wait to be talking to them until it's as important as suicide or alcohol or sex or drugs. You know, have some smaller conversations there too. And so I'm gonna bring that full cycle about what you were saying about stretch your comfort zone, just, I got the coloring, stretch your comfort zone just a little, all right. Do it with your kids, too.
1: Yes. And I, one other thing I want to want to mention everyone is in September, we talked about relationships versus race and race and relationships. I have a book coming out in September. The book is about how the importance of building better relationships at work. And as, as a backdrop, we use race and gender, but when, when mid-level managers want to improve relationships, they improve relationships with all of their employees. And in the book, I'm going to offer 10 ways to build better relationships at work. So if anyone goes to my website to stay in touch with me through there, or um, if you go to the website, eventually you'll see an order for the book, but until then you can go to the website and you'll Stay in touch with me and I'll let you know because it's so important to build relationships. That's what it's about. I want everyone to do that. Build relationships. Offline,
0: online, in person, and virtually. It's relationships that matter. Right.
1: Cool. Thank you, Leon. Thank you for having me. This has been a groovy time. Thank you. I would love the work that you're doing. You're doing groovy work for the world. And I look forward to so many more people finding out about the work that you're doing. Thank you for having me as your guest. Thank you.
0: You're welcome.
1: Thank you, Leah.